You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Night, anybody? Need a fill-in-the-blank sheet, okay, right here, and right back over there. Thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you. And uh, how, okay, we got those two. Anybody else need a fill-in-the-blank sheet? How about a pen? Anyone need a pen tonight? down front there, in the back, all right, good deal, all right, before we get started, you got you to gotta tell me what the, your favorite Christmas gift was that you got, or a Christmas gift that you got, okay, who is it, somebody tell me, what'd you get for Christmas, a guitar, from, from yourself, that's it, all right, <laughs> Let me hear it. Gift cards. Okay. All right. What did you get? What did you get for Christmas? Cash money. Is that what you said? Cash money? That's the good stuff. All right. Full custody. Hey, that's a great blessing. Something we've been praying for for a long time. Amen to that, Brother Brian. Anybody else? Something you got for Christmas? An oven? You got an oven for Christmas? All right. Hey, praise the Lord for that. Silas, Legos, all right, I thought he said a ghost, I was like, boy, be quiet, but he said Legos, all right, good, teenagers, what'd you get, what'd you get, some teenager, tell me, you got a python, now you're going to like the message tonight, I'm going to tell you what, it's coming for you, what'd you get, Polaroid, wow, state of the art. Polaroids, that's, it's funny how things were, uh, go out and then come back, isn't it? I'm waiting for bell-bottom jeans to come back, you know, like, that was never my, that was the decade before me, but, you know, waiting for those to come back. Anybody else, something you got for Christmas? A cold? Cash. All right, some, some great inventive gifts here, I'm hearing, all right. Hey, the boa, the boa constrictor wins. All right, that's, that's the most... That's the most outrageous gift so far, okay. Good. Proverbs chapter number 5. Look, if you would, please, at verse number 20. I want to preach a message tonight and uh, teach you some things here about get out of the ditch. Get out of the ditch. Say, what in the world are you talking about, Pastor? We'll look at it here. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 20. And why wilt thou, my son, be ravaged with a strange woman, which is strange woman, foreign woman, someone that's not <coughs> your spouse? And embrace the bosom of a stranger. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. Then it says this, His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. He shall die without instruction, and in the greatness of his folly he shall go astray. <clears throat> the word in verse 22 there, his own iniquity shall take the wicked himself. The word take there means to capture. Like you would, you, you know, if you're playing chess and you take a piece off the board, right? It's, it means to capture by force, if you'll fill that in. There's not a uh, fill in the blank on the screen tonight, but I, I have them marked on my notes, so I'll be sure to emphasize those, okay? Capture is the first one there. The word take means capture by force. 
It means to seize. It means to control something. But then it says, so uh, his own iniquities or his own sins shall capture by force the wicked himself, <clears throat> and he shall be holden or held, taken captive, seized with the cords of his sin. Now the word cord there means rope, but it also, in some place in the Bible, is the word noose, N-O-O-S-E, noose. You know, where they'd take you out to the gallows, and they'd put the noose around your neck and let you go, right? But, but it was more along the lines of, of a trap or a snare for an animal. And so <clears throat> it's saying there that our sins, if we're living wickedly, can, can capture or seize us, and, it can, and we can be held by the cords of our sins, really tying the noose around our own neck because of the sins that we are allowing in our lives. So on your sheet there, the sins of, of the wicked person capture him by force, and he is held by the noose of his sins. Sin has a way of taking people captive. If you look around our world, there's a lot of people captive to sin today. And what I want to talk about tonight is getting out of that ditch. I'll explain what that means in a moment, but let's pray together. Father, had a great service so far. I pray now you bless the teaching of the Word of God. Lord, I don't want to get in your way, and I don't want to be distracting in any way. So I pray tonight for my voice to have strength, and that, uh, Lord, your power be evident, and that you, Holy Spirit, would do your work in our midst this evening. Lord, may we be focused tonight on what you have for us, and clear-minded in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. My mom, for many, many, many years, worked for the post office in Illinois, and uh, she was not a city carrier. I did that for a summer. I walked and, and, and went around the city and delivered mail, and I tell you, when it, was, when it was the day for phone books, it was the worst day in the world during the summertime in Illinois, carrying phone books to every house, 13 miles a day, no fun. But my mom got to drive a rural route outside the city. If you're thinking of Iowa and Illinois, we were in Illinois, the farm country, you know, big square pieces of land. If you fly over them, it just looks like a checkerboard and, uh, and all of just farm country. Well, each one of those places still gets mail, uh, you know, and so she would be one of the people delivering them. Well, you know, that's all fine and dandy. She did not get an LLV, long life, long life vehicle, from the post office. She had to use her vehicle. But so what she would have to do is she would sit in her seat, she would sit in the middle seat of the car, kind of like in between the two front seats, and drive with her left foot and her left hand. And so that's how, and so she would drive the rural routes left-handed with her left foot hitting the gas and the brake, and then she would have her mail here, and this is how everybody did it there, I know it sounds odd, and she'd you know, have her window down and just mailbox and put it in that way. Well, she did that for many years. But can I tell you, living in Illinois is not the same as living in California because they have something in Illinois called snow. And uh, out here, you know, if we see a white powdery substance, it's kind of a scary thing, but uh, we think, hey, drugs. But that's not, in Illinois, it, it comes from the sky. It's snow. And, uh, and uh, you know, we can see that at Big Bear, but, but uh, it, it, would, it would come across the road and then there would be black ice, which is just invisible. You can't see it. And, uh, and so one minute you're on the road, the next minute you're not. And so for all those years she drove, my dad would get calls over and over again. Cat is what my mom calls my dad. They have weird nicknames in the South. His name was Catfish. My uncle was Worm, all right? So Catfish and Worm were my, my dad and his brother, right? 
and Tommy Wayne and James. My dad was James, but, you know, so obviously catfish is a nickname for James, right? But anyway, so she'd say, cat, come get me. I'm in the ditch. And so many times, because of the ice on the road, my mom is just drifting off into a snowbank into the ditch. Well, I'll tell you what, it's sure easy to get in the ditch, but it is really difficult to get out of the ditch. And what we're talking about tonight with getting out of the ditch is that there are certain sins that are like ditches. Man, they're easy to get into, but once you get into them or you get into the habit of them, you wear a rut, and man, it is hard to get out. And uh, I feel like we do this a lot of times. I want you to take your Bible, go to Hebrews chapter 12. We just saw that our sins can, can hold us captive. It can be something that, hey, it, it's easy to give into, but man, very difficult to get out of. Hebrews chapter 12, notice a very familiar passage, but, but maybe you've never heard a breakdown of some of the words here, of what the, uh, what the meaning of the words are. Hebrews chapter 12, <clears throat> verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, verse number one is a great verse that we preach about and talk about. You've heard it preached about and talked about so many times. You know, chapter 11 is talking about the great hall of faith of all these, these people and the faith that they live by and how, 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 how they did some things that pleased God. And, and wherefore, verse 12, because of what we just read, seeing we also have such a great cloud of witnesses that are watching over us and, and compassing us about, let us lay aside every weight, every hindrance, when you're running, if you're running a race, you don't want extra weight. You don't want to be carrying a backpack full of weights if you're running your race. You, that makes it harder. So lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Patience meaning endurance. Stay with it. Stick with it. It doesn't mean, you know, not being angry. It means endurance. So verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 1 here gives us a very interesting word, though. And I want you to notice the word beset. And the sin which doth so easily beset us. Sin can easily beset us. Now, what does it mean to beset? That word, if you look it up in a Greek New Testament dictionary, it means controlling tightly. It means constricting. It means, uh, uh, it means encircling, surrounded on all sides, encircling. So the sin that so easily controls you, the sin that so easily uh, constricts you. The sin that so easily encircles you. And, and uh, this, this makes me think of a snake. In fact, I have in my notes here a boa constrictor. So it makes me think of a constrictor because it's, that's what the name is. But it's constricting, right? If you imagine one of those big old snakes and they wrap around your body. You know, I don't know, there's, I don't know if there's any that can eat a human at this point. Maybe there are, I don't know. But they wrap around, and what do they do? They, they encircle. They constrict. They, they, they're squeezing you. They're controlling you tightly. And that's what it's talking about here. It's a sin that does that. Now, 
Now, not talking about your snake here, Broden, but what do you have to do with a sin that does that? You've got to kill the snake. You've got to stop it because if you don't, it keeps coming back. Sin can easily be something that becomes a control, a controlling factor of your life. We see people all the time, and when we talk about addiction, we, we so often you know, think about you know, things like alcoholism or, or all these different, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a little bit, but, but all these different, maybe bigger things. You know, I've, I've got a gambling addiction. I'm addicted to drugs. But, did you, but, but you and I both know that there's a lot of sins that we do that have a control in our life. That can easily, because why? Because How do we know that? Because we keep doing it over and over and over again. Maybe we're not out murdering people, we're not out doing drugs, but there are sins that can control us. And it seems like it can just wrap around us and, and, and constrict us into doing what it wants us to do. We say, man, I, I did it again. I, I did this. I got mad. I did this. And so many times th those sins can be a constricting force upon us, controlling us. And really, again, to use the different analogy, they're getting into the ditch. Now we're in the habit, and it's hard to get out of the habit. Let me give you some examples, some examples tonight of, of, of ditch sins. First of all, lying. If you'll write that in, lying. Lying can become a terrible habit. We have even had the term habitual liars, people that by habit lie. And I, I've seen people, I've known people, I have people in my family, the, 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 they, they lie for absolutely no reason. I've been, you know, as a youth pastor, I always, I always mention how long I've been a youth pastor. I'm not saying it to brag, I'm saying it, I, I've been around teens for so long, for, for 16 years that I've, I've been dealing with teenagers and, and, uh, and, and adults too for the last six or seven. And, and, and I've seen many people that lie for no reason. It wasn't to look better. It wasn't to get out of trouble. It wasn't to exaggerate a story. It was just simply a lie for lie's sake. Now, why would they do that? And I knew they were lying. Why would they do that? Because the habit. It becomes a habit. It becomes a constricting, a, a boa constrictor in their life that just forces them to do it. And, and, and they're not getting out of the ditch. Uh, and once you get into the habit of lying, it's hard to get out of that ditch. And, uh, and, and that's what I have seen many times. So, and, and every one of these is a full message in and of itself. But the ditch sin of lying, get out of the habit of that. Number two, there's the ditch sin of laziness. Laziness, they all start with L, so they're easy to remember. The Bible word, if you're looking for, the, if you're looking for laziness in the Bible, the Bible word is slothfulness. Uh, read Proverbs and, and, ta and look at what the Bible says about the slothful man. Slothfulness, what it says about that. <clears throat> Robert Frost, of course, the great poet, said, The world is, I love this quote, I, I've quoted it so many times, The world is full of willing people, some willing to work and the rest willing to let them. Laziness, though, is a ditch sin. Once you get into the habit of laziness, it's hard to get back out. You go on vacation. I've been on vacation for a little bit. And, uh, you know, I like to sleep in on vacation a little bit. Can I tell you something? When it gets back to work time, it's going to be difficult to go back to that. I'm not a natural morning. Some of you are like, Pastor, you're not up at 3 a.m. praying? No. Okay. If I'm up at 3 a.m., it's because I stayed up till 3 a.m. working or something, you know. It's not the other way. I'm not getting up. But, but uh, and I, I try to get up early, uh, but uh, on vacation, I'm not going to do that. But, uh, you know, you know how it is when you go on vacation and you come back and you've been, you know, enjoying reading a book at home or whatever it is. And now you come back and it's like, 
you can imagine that multiplied to people that you see working at the grocery store or you see working at fast food. You ever been to a, a, a place, fast food place or, or a restaurant or something and been like, how does this person have a job? And you're not trying to be mean, but you're thinking like, how did they get hired? With the, with the service that I'm getting, I am shocked. You know, I should give you negative on your tip right now, okay? You should give me money back. But, but and again, not to not make it funny, any specific person or anything, I'm saying sometimes you see that, but that laziness can be a difficult thing to get out of. Number three is lust. Ditch sin, lust. Getting into it is easy, getting out of it is hard. I tell you, it is easier now than ever for people to get addicted to pornography, and the number of people that are addicted is staggering. Men and women, teenage boys and teenage girls, young boys and young girls. And, and then on top of that, you've got all these romance novels, which are basically pornography in book form. And then you've got TV shows that are appealing to lust, and our, 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 our culture is saturating our, our uh you know, Hollywood and all that is, is saturating us with all of this garbage. And then, and, and I don't want to get into all right now. It makes me so mad, the hypocrisy that we see. But, uh, uh, but that is easy to get into, but hard to get out of. And I just think the devil is so happy that cell phones are available. I think the devil is so happy that teenagers uh, have their own cell phones and all that kind of stuff. Why? Because he can get to them now easier than he ever could before. And just, and just destroy lives and get people addicted to something. And now it's amazing to me to see that there's so many medical places coming out saying that pornography ruins your brain. Uh, I find that now that it has become so prevalent, even amongst our young people, that it has become so prevalent that now uh, so many organizations are starting to address it. Like, it's, you know it's got to be bad if the world's starting to address it. We've been preaching about it for years and years and years. But lust, laziness, lying... Liquor, liquor, a ditch sin, easy to get into, easy to start drinking. Well, it's been a rough day. I get to go out with my friends. They invited me out. I'm going to go out and just have some martinis, whatever it may be. But once that, once that becomes an addiction, once you get into the ditch, boy, it's hard to get out of. You know, it's an amazing thing to me when it comes to drugs and alcohol and all these other things is that there are people more inclined or more predisposed to, to having a, an issue with those things than other people. There are some people that can have a, a, drink, a, a one beer and be drunk. There are some people that can drink five and not be. And you never know like where you're going to land in that. And so, I mean, obviously that's why abstinence, I think, is the right answer biblically. But, but liquor, alcoholism. Now, I, the American Medical Association classified alcoholism as a disease in 1956. And then, you know, all these people like, it's not a disease. So they came out with all these papers about it. And so then they redefined what a disease is. And they said, hey, an addiction is a disease. So they just changed some terminology there to say, now, uh, now we're classifying addictions as diseases. And we're playing with a bunch of terms there. But the bottom line is that it is an addiction. The bottom line is that there is a way to victory, too. There is a way to victory. You can't cough on someone and they catch alcoholism. It's not a disease in that sense. It is, it, it is, a, uh, it is an addiction, but it is a, you are able to get out of it, just like you're able to get out of lust, just like you're able to get over laziness, just like you're able to get through lying and, uh, and stop that, right? But these are ditch sins. Number five is the word lucre, and that's not a word we use often unless we put the word filthy before it. Filthy lucre. Lucre is money, especially when regarded as sordid or distasteful 
or gained in a dishonorable way. Talking about greed, talking about avarice, we're talking about, uh, you know, and, and people that, that make money their life's pursuit. They sacrifice everything else, every relationship, everything, because they're pursuing money. It's the Ebenezer Scrooge syndrome. Did you watch something with Scrooge in the last couple of weeks? Okay, he was a miser. He could have helped people, but no, he wanted those coins. Could have married the beautiful one, but no, he wanted the coins. Uh, he wanted the gold. Lucre, he cared more about money than he did people. And I think for some people, it is very easy, and, and I don't know if this is a cultural thing with some cultures and not. I, don't, it just, it, I think it's cross-cultural. That, that there are people that care more about money and, and then more about their kids making money than they do about the spiritual aspect of things. Proverbs 15, 27, he that is greedy of gain troubles his own house. Troubles his own house. We are troubling our house when we're saying, kids, make sure you make a lot of money. That's not the goal in life. If it happens, if that's what God wants, great. Nothing wrong with making money. But to put that as the goal, boy, you're putting them in a ditch. You're putting them in a ditch that's going to be hard to get out of. Number six is, and it goes right along with it, I'm going to put the word lottery. Specifically gambling. Ditch sin. Easy to get into, hard to get out of. Lottery numbers, Powerball, this is my week. I'm going to be the $22 million winner or however much it is, I don't know. I, I, so if you read the statistics on people that, read, that, that win the Powerball lottery, it is, it is the saddest thing. I think with, the statistic is something like 85% within a year and a half get divorced. Uh, I mean, it's like, it is just crazy the amount of things that happen to people that win the lottery. And then, you know, every time I go to 7-Eleven, there's just people over there buying the lottery tickets, giving money away, hoping to get something for nothing. And then that goes all the way up to like high stakes poker and betting on sports and horse races, trying to get rich quick. And the problem there is covetousness and greed. To get something I didn't earn, to get something I didn't pay for, to get something I don't deserve, and to get it quick. And, uh, and, and gambling, we know, could be a very bad ditch sin. How many people have lost their home? How many people have lost family? And all these different things that they sacrifice. Kids' college funds and things like that because they could not get out of the ditch of lottery. And then lastly, losing it. What I mean by that is anger. Anger. Uh, some might, hey, I'm just passionate. I, you know, I just have a short fuse. It's not a big deal. No, the Bible word is anger. Anger. Losing control. It can become a habit and a deadly one at that. There are others that we could talk about. He says, shh, pastor didn't name my sin. Well, I'm talking about your sin too, okay? Whatever it is that's besetting you, whatever it is that is encircling you, whatever it is that you feel like you can't escape from, you're surrounded on all sides and, and the circle is tightening like a boa constrictor and you feel like you have to, you know, whatever that sin is, that's the sin we're talking about tonight. It could be that you just, hey, you're reading stuff you shouldn't read. It could be you're viewing stuff you shouldn't view. You're drinking stuff you shouldn't drink. You're Whatever it may be, you're doing something you should not do. All of those things are sins that, hey, maybe it was easy to get into, but how do you get out? Now, let's look at uh, <clears throat> uh, Hebrews chapter 12 here. And I want to look at just two things tonight, answers for the ditch, just very quickly as we close. But I want to just say this uh, before I give these to you. Tonight's message is not how to fix all these problems. 
It's not how to fix laziness or, or you know, lucre or lust or whatever it may be. The, that, that takes a lot of time, and that's not the message tonight. The message tonight is more along the lines of just waking us up to see what the sin is that is trapping us and circling us. What is the sin that we're in the ditch and trying to get out, but we keep falling into, and we keep stumbling into? What is that sin? So answers for the ditch. What do we do? First of all, let me say this. Number one, avoid the ditch. Avoid the ditch. The best way to get out of the ditch is never to get into it in the first place. My, uh, my mom, you know, could tell you, hey, it was easier to just stay on the road than to get in the ditch. Because when you get in the ditch, man, it makes life difficult. Makes life difficult. And uh, so what's the answer? You avoid the ditch. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. Don't even go down the road. Don't, don't even go by their place. Avoid the ditch. Avoid the area. You know, the, in, in Proverbs chapter, I think it's chapter, it may be the same chapter, chapter 4 or chapter 7, when it's talking about the young man that Solomon looked out his window and at his casement, behold, he, he discerned among the simple ones among the youth, a young man void of understanding, passing by the way of the harlot. And, and so the young man goes, and, and what's he, he's, just, he's going down the dark street, he's going down the way to her house, and just thinking, oh, I'm sure nothing will happen. But no, she's there, and she's tempting, and, and he put himself in the place of temptation. He didn't avoid the ditch. He went into the ditch head on. He was walking right along the side of the ditch, hoping to fall into the ditch. The Bible says in Romans chapter 13, verse 14, but make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Don't make it easy to sin. Don't walk the line uh, to where you're going to fall into the ditch. It, it, no, avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it. Pass away. It's a lot easier to run the race when you don't have the weights on your back. It's a lot easier to, to run your race when you're wearing the right attire, which we're going to see in just a second here. But, uh, so avoid it. You're gonna get, I don't want to get in the ditch, Pastor. Then stay away from it. So, you know, we, we always talk about uh, these different sins, uh, drinking or, or gambling or whatever it may be. And, and you know, people want to be, <clears throat> I find it very frustrating when Christians do everything they can to just pick away at, at anything that they want to do but they feel like is not right to do. Well, does the Bible just never say you could drink? What's the big deal with having a, a drink of wine at dinner time? What's the big deal with, you know, one lottery ticket a month? What's the big deal with going out with my friends and having a margarita? Everyone? What's the big... And we're picking away at all these little things. Uh, uh, you know, there's, there's no command that says thou shalt not drink, drink wine or whatever it may be. And, and really, what we're doing is we're just trying to get as close as we can to the ditch. And then we're wondering why, when we're in the ditch, how did we end up here? And it's because we're trying to pick apart and find a verse that states exactly what we should not do. And then if we even did find that verse, we'd probably try to pick that apart too. It's a lot easier to just stay away. It's a lot easier to just do it God's way. That is the point, avoid the ditch. Secondly, get out of the ditch. Get out of the ditch. 
Now I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 12 here. Verse 1 again. And look what it says to do. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about, we're surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. So that sin that is encircling you, that sin that's got you in the ditch, that sin that's like the python squeezing the life out of you or the boa constrictor, what do you do with it? The Bible says here, and lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. You know, I have read that probably a hundred times. And I've read it again and again and again. I've looked at that. And that seems so easy. Doesn't it? Just two words. Lay aside. Just lay it aside. Now, I want to tell you before we get into this, the two analogies I see here besides obviously the ditch analogy is the constricting boa constrictor snake analogy. And the other analogy that we're going to see here is uh, like a garment, putting on or taking off a garment. Let me explain, okay? Notice the other verses with the same terminology. The same Greek word is, is translated into English in these verses, okay? So the words there, lay aside, notice the verses on your sheet. Romans 13, 12. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off, that's the same Greek word, the works of darkness, cast off the works of darkness, lay aside the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Ephesians 4, 22 and 25. That ye put off, that's the same as lay aside, concerning the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. That's your flesh, the old nature. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Putting away, put off, put away, cast off. It's all the same Greek word. He, uh, Colossians 3, 8 through 10. But now ye also put off these things. Anger, <clears throat> wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another. So we're seeing some ditch sins here. Seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man. <clears throat> James 1, 21. Wherefore, lay apart. There is a, the same Greek word, but translated differently. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. One more. 1 Peter 2, 1 and 2. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. So we see that phrase over and over and over again. Lay aside, put off, casting off. What's that mean? Okay, here's what it means on your sheet. It means to stop. Look it up if you want to. It means to stop. It means to get rid of. <coughs> it means to stop oneself <coughs> being in a state or a condition. And it's conceived of, or it's, it's, the imagery is of as divesting oneself of a garment. So when the Bible says, put off the old man, <coughs> taking a garment off. And then it says, put on the new man. What it's saying is stop one and start another. It's, it's like taking a garment off. That's how it's pictured in Ephesians chapter 4, and it's pictured that way in a couple of these passages of casting off, laying aside, 
taking off a garment and laying it down and putting on a different one. That's the picture of what it's saying. Here's the problem. We're talking about, uh, you know, a garment that we're wearing that we should cast off. The problem is we like our coat. The problem is we like our sin. The problem is it's comfortable. The problem is when I'm feeling insecure or when I'm having a bad day, my coat will make me feel better. And I'm having a bad day. You know what makes me feel better? That drink. That TV show. That internet site. And it's like an old friend because that's what our sin is doing. It's saying, hey, don't you want me to soothe your aches and pains? And we're self-medicating in the wrong way. We're, we're, we're keeping the old coat on because we think that we're controlling the coat when the coat's controlling us. And God says, hey, put off the old man. That old nature that you had before you were saved, put that old man off. And of course, at salvation, you became a new creature. So why are you wearing the old garments? You, you take it off and you say, no, that's how it used to be. That's how it used to be, but now I'm going to be this. And, and it's an amazing thing. Look, I can take my coat off tonight. I have the power to take my coat off tonight. But can I tell you, it's not because the power comes from me. It's because God gave me the power to be able to do it. If God didn't want me to take my coat off tonight and wanted to paralyze me, then I couldn't take the coat off. But he's given me the power. What I'm saying is this, is that your sin and my sin, what it likes to do is it likes to comfort us. And it likes to say, hey, you don't want to get rid of me. You don't want to get rid of me. I make you feel good. And we don't want to. And so, but, but God says you can get rid of it. And he's given you the power to say, hey, I'm taking this coat off and I'm putting another one on. I'm taking off this habit and I'm learning a new habit. I'm taking off this pattern of thinking and I'm putting on a new pattern of thinking by transforming my mind like Romans chapter 12 talks about. You see what I'm saying? That you can do that. You have the power. You have the Holy Spirit of God inside of you. You can do that. So take off the coat. Lay it aside. Wear something else. Be different. That's the thought. That sounds easy enough. But for some of you, it's not like the coat. For some of you, it's like the boa constrictor. And now you're like, well, pastor, it's not that I like it. It's just I can't get rid of it. You know, it's not just the coat. It's not so easy as just take it off. I've been in this rut for a long time. I've been in this ditch for a long time, longer than you even know. I've been in that ditch, and I can't seem to get victory over it. It's the, it's the constrictor, the boa constrictor wrapping its way around my neck. <clears throat> Can I say tonight that if you feel like your sin is like that snake wrapping itself around you, Jesus knows how to deal with snakes? I think he did that in the garden, didn't he? Knew how to deal with that snake, didn't he? What I'm saying tonight is that he knows and he gives you, he knows how to overcome your sin. He already did it. And he's given you the power to do it too. And what we have to do is be willing to fight. We have to be willing to lay aside the old sin. Now, I'm not saying this is an easy process. I'm not saying that there doesn't have to be some changes in how we think. I'm not saying that you're not going to fall again. I'm not saying there's never going to be a time where you pick up the coat and put it back on. What I'm saying is you have to continue to fight that battle. You have to continue to say, no, I'm laying aside that, and I'm reaching forth into Jesus. And I'm looking into Jesus, the author. I'm not looking at the old garment anymore. I took that off. I'm not the man I used to be. I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm looking into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. People tell, say, Pastor, I just can't stop this sin. The truth is you can. 
You can. God has given you victory and the power to overcome sin. We got to fight. We got to change our thinking on things. We got to look unto Jesus and keep our eyes on Him. So tonight, what's the message? Tonight is I want you to decide to kill the snake. Not you, Brody. You enjoy your 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 pet, all right? Kill the snake. Decide, hey, I'm not letting that get get a hold of me. Decide to take off the old comfy garment and put on a new one. Decide that 2023 will be the year of victory for you. And again, because, and here's the last blank, the power is not coming from you. The power is coming from the Lord. This is not a how to overcome sin message. This is a decide to overcome sin message. Decide that that sin that's been giving you a headache for so long, that's been knocking you down again and again and again, decide that, hey, in 2023, by the power of God, I'm going to overcome. And I'm going to get victory. And I'm going to live like a new man, like a new woman, like a regenerated, saved person. I'm not letting the snake control me anymore. I'm getting myself out of the ditch. I'm changing the garment. That's the message tonight. So this evening... Which or what ditch do you need to get out of in 2023? What ditch do you need to avoid? Let me say this quickly and I'm done. If you were in the ditch, you got out of the ditch, don't mentally live in the ditch. Well, I used to. Look what I did 20 years ago. No, no, no. You got out of the ditch. Don't live in the ditch. You got out. So you keep walking forward for Christ. The more you look down at your regrets, you're just living back in the past. You've got to press on for Christ. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's the finish line. Don't look back at where you stumbled. Look at the finish line. That's the message tonight. Which ditch do you need to avoid? Which ditch do you need to get out of your life in 2023? Father, I pray tonight...